was again lost. And uh, Jenny, my wife, said, "Hey, you should you should come try this thing. Um, I'm doing this thing. I'm doing CrossFit, and uh, you should check it out." And I was like, "No, I don't think so. Um, I'm not, I don't really like classes. I don't like to be told what to do." But that was but that was the beginning of that of this adventure. This is episode number forty with our guest David Mendenhall. Welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm Julie Fouché, medical student and former CrossFit Games athlete. Here, I bring to you information and inspiration from experts and everyday individuals for how to use lifestyle to maximize health. Thank you so much for joining me. Now let's get started with this week's episode. Welcome back to Pursuing Health. This week, we meet our guest, David Mendenhall, who is a 47-year-old husband, father, middle school teacher, and a relatively recent but rabid CrossFit convert. He's a lifelong downhill skier and outdoor enthusiast. His adult training and fitness exploits prior to his introduction to CrossFit in 2013 involved martial arts, a personal yoga practice, distance running, triathlon competitions, and even a semi-extreme cycling stint. After hanging up his cycling helmet in the fall of 2012 for an indefinite hiatus due to some severe arthritis in both of his knees, his wife introduced him to Bo Teal at CrossFit Burlington. In this episode, I had the pleasure of sitting down with David to discuss his background, his transition from single modality sports to CrossFit, and how he has used CrossFit to prepare him for two total knee replacements in the past year. Before we get started, I have a few quick reminders. First, if you're enjoying the podcast, please head over to iTunes to subscribe and consider giving it a five-star rating. You can also head to my website, juliefouché.com. There you can enter your email to stay in the loop with the podcast and everything else I'm doing with my bi-weekly newsletter. I'm also always looking for inspiring stories to share, just like David's. If you or someone you know has used lifestyle to overcome a serious health challenge, please send your story to me at info at juliefouché.com, and I'll select some to share here on future episodes. If you're interested in training with me, check out my program through Beyond the Whiteboard. This is the actual training that I do now, five days per week, an hour per day, and it's scheduled out for you minute by minute from warm-up to cool-down. We also have a train on the go program that's perfect for helping you get your workouts in when you're on vacation or just during a busy week at home. For more information or to try the programs out yourself, visit beyondthewhiteboard.com slash Julie Also, please remember that although I'm nearing graduation from medical school, this podcast is meant to share the experiences of individuals and does not provide medical advice. So with that, let's get started here with episode number 40 of Pursuing Health featuring David Mendenhall. Welcome back to Pursuing Health. I am very excited to be here with David Mendenhall, who has an exciting health story that I'm excited to share with all of you. So welcome to the show, David. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. It's really an honor, actually. So excited yeah, to it's have been you fun here. to watch. Yeah, it's been fun to watch you since I've been involved in CrossFit. Oh. So uh, yeah, you've been sort of our hero to all of us at my house and my gym. So it's really it's pretty special to be here. Wow. Well, thank you. That means a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So I was hoping we could start out with just a little bit of your background, sure. what sort of sports you were involved in growing up, or your athletic yeah. background, um, kind of early on. Sure. Um, so let's see. Um, I think I was always pretty active as a kid. Uh, typical, I suppose, uh, childhood. Um, my family, we grew up in western Michigan. Okay. Or I grew up in western Michigan, and that's where I'm from, and uh, I would say, you know, I played all the like regular sports as a kid, uh, basketball, soccer, football, baseball, all that stuff. But then I think, um, fairly early on, I developed, uh, an interest in more solo type stuff. So I was always also a runner and then I was a big water skier. Oh, so my fun. family had, yeah, my family had a camp in Northern Michigan. Where and so at? I spent, uh, so Near Traverse City, it's oh, probably okay. the biggest city to know up there. Yeah. But then uh, Frankfurt is more along where we were. Okay. Um, and there's a little a little inlet lake, <clears throat> just in you know Lake Michigan. The big lake was was right next to us. There's like a peninsula, and then our little lake was inside. It. So it was a great place to water ski all summer long. And then um, in the winters I would ski, uh, you know, downhill, alpine skiing, cross country skiing. And then, uh, again, like in, in high school, 
Um, I always played sports, but uh, I wouldn't say I was like super serious about team sports. Okay. It was more just like the um, the individual stuff. So I was always drawn to activity, um, but not not probably in the team manner. Like uh, you know, I always I always uh, did something and played varsity sports, but was never like the hero or the star or anything like that. Um, and then probably I guess it would have been my junior year of high school uh that summer i went out west and i did an outward bound course oh and that was pretty yeah that was pretty formative for Mm -hmm. me so we were out in the southern rocky southern colorado for for about three weeks Mm -hmm. doing a lot of the ten thousand peaks and that changed a lot of i think my perspective on things and uh so that drew me then to go out west for college so i went to the university of colorado at boulder and that is a pretty cool place in terms of just athletics, right? So yeah. a lot of interesting people out there. And again, it was just sort of a hodgepodge collection. Uh, I actually went out there to ski. Okay. And I like to bump to bump ski. Mm-hmm. And when I got out there, I met my uh, eventual wife and found out that I really wasn't as good a skier as I thought I was. <laughs> and and I was, she was really quite excellent. <laughs> and so I chased her around quite a bit. Okay. Um, and then the second year I was out there, um, I actually rearranged my schedule so I could ski four days a week and then just do classes uh, two days a week. Wow. And, uh, you know, so that was a big part of my, my college years. But then mm-hmm. I was also dabbling in a lot of rock climbing and mountain biking and mm-hmm. things like that. And so then after college, it was it was other stuff. Um, continued to ski for mm-hmm. sure, but skiing evolved into tele-skiing wow. and snowboarding and some backcountry stuff. And then a lot of you know martial arts, which I'll, I can talk about later because mm-hmm. that's really what led to my knee replacements eventually. Okay. Um, and then. Uh, Again, a lot of cycling, a lot of mountain biking that turned into other stuff. So that became more of my adult years. But my, my young my younger years were just, I think, just constantly being active. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I dabbled in, you know, weightlifting here and there, I think, like a lot of, a lot of guys do growing up. Mm-hmm. But I would say I, w- I was never committed to any one thing. But it was always sort of this, if I think back on it, this, this pursuit of sort of um, almost like a grind mentality. You know, I just like to move mm-hmm. and be out and about. Yeah, and I like being outside a lot. That was a big deal, I think, and that's what drew me out west. Right. Yeah, I grew up in Michigan also, and going up to, not the UP, but northern Michigan a lot to ski when I was younger, and that was also a big part of my life growing up in water skiing, but definitely not the same as being out west. (laughs) Yeah. A lot smaller hills in Michigan. Yeah, exactly. Like once you get out west, it is different. But you learn a lot skiing in Michigan. Oh yeah. You learn how to yeah. You learn how to ski on ice mm-hmm. and in the real real cold. Mm-hmm. Um, you learn to be on rope toes and T bars, which are really interesting, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. a that's a bit of acrobatics in and of itself. Totally. And I grew up yeah. going to a really small, family-oriented resort, so it was nice. We could even as kids we could ski around and be totally free, and our parents wouldn't worry about us or. Um, like hurting ourselves or doing so anything where was that? crazy. It was called Otsego Club. It's in Gaylord, Michigan. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I grew up in, um, we skied a lot at Caber Fay, okay. which was in Cadillac, Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. It was okay. like, it felt, it felt like it was something where they plowed a bunch of earth up and then when it snowed, <laughs> right. that's what you skied on, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There is skiing in Michigan. That's for sure. Um, there okay. is skiing in Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> so you obviously are very active, very involved in different outdoors and sort of adventure sports. And yeah. then you talk about how you your body went through some chronic degradation up until you got yeah. to this point. So can you yeah. sort of take us through what happened during that time? Yeah, sure. So what happened, I think, when I got out of college is um, my wife and I moved to Vermont and I had planned. I, I had planned on staying out west. I I just thought it was the stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was living, still living in Boulder. I went to graduate school, and I would say in graduate school, um, I was working full time, mm-hmm. and uh, I was getting my master's degree in education. And, and I think that I let myself get a little bit out of shape. Okay. <laughs> would be would be accurate, right? It sounds and so, like a lot to be a lot of time with your studies and jo- and working. 
Yeah, right. And so when we moved to Vermont, um, I kind of got back into things. I was snowboarding here because I wanted to try something different because Vermont is different from Michigan. It's different from out west. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the terrain and the conditions. So I got into snowboarding and that was helpful for a while. And we were doing a lot of backcountry stuff, which was fun. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we started having kids. So I have a son and a daughter Mm -hmm. and uh my son's a junior now and my daughter uh is a freshman in college oh wow but when when that happened my wife also decided to go back to school okay so she was like all right it's time for me to do something different so she went back to school to be a physical therapist wow so again things got really busy (laughs) and uh i would say i got a little bit out of shape again and when my kids were really little i got into um aikido oh okay and yeah, so I wanted to do something that was active, but it was something I had done as a kid. I had done martial arts as a kid. I'd done some Aikido, done some Taekwondo and, and stuff. And um, I thought, oh, this would be kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And I got really into it. So I was heavy into it. I started, you know, maybe two days a week, then three days a week, then every night I was there. But the thing was, I was doing all the Aikido, but I don't think I was doing any real training okay. to be on the mat. And so I think what really happened to me was I was this guy, I'm only like 5'10", and I was carrying around probably 195, almost 200 pounds, mm-hmm. and being thrown and throwing a lot. Mm-hmm. And during that time, during that four years where it was really pretty intensive, I uh, underwent three meniscectomies on my knees. Wow. And so, yeah, and the second one on my left knee was a, was a bucket tear. Mm-hmm. And I think really at that time, most of the meniscus was taken out. And so I stopped doing Aikido, and I was looking for other things to do, and I started doing some yoga and some other things, and I realized, you know, what's really the problem is I'm just I'm just overweight. Um, my, tr- my nutrition is off. Mm-hmm. It's just it, I'm I'm not where I where I need to be. You know, there was a shift between I don't know when I was 27 and then like 31, mm-hmm. right? So um, at that time, I changed uh, all my eating habits, I would say. Okay. And then I started running, which is a weird thing to uh, to pursue, I suppose, with knee problems. But it's <laughs> um, something I knew from, right. from college and from when I was a kid. So I started doing that. And, uh, you know, first it was like, okay, uh, let's just start small. We'll go for a 5K mm-hmm. and then we'll go for a 10K. And then I did a couple of marathons. Wow! And then I thought, and then I thought, all right, well, I want to do something bigger because, like I said before, I was into the grind sort mm-hmm. of thing. Like I like doing stuff solo, and I wasn't fast, but I could go for a long time. Mm-hmm. So I started doing like thirty mile runs on my own, and I was thinking, wow. yeah, I want to do like ultra stuff. Well, that did not work with my <laughs> knees. That was really wow. a very poor choice on my part. And I remember my PA at the time saying, um, "So who told you this would be like a good idea?" You know. <laughs> And I think it had the effect that I got, I lost the weight and I, and I sort of got the bug again, the fitness bug and thinking about my nutrition Mm -hmm. and, and thinking I was in shape, but, uh, but I don't think it was a healthy choice for, for me. I mean, I'm a pretty lean guy typically and I'm a thin guy. And so it seems like naturally running would work, Mm -hmm. but, um, but, but not for my condition. So then I picked up, uh, not so much distance running. I got into triathlons. Okay. And so then I started doing, you know, and I was naturally a pretty good swimmer just from when I was a kid, always spending the time in the water. That was easy. I got into cycling again. That was fun. And then the runs were just, you know, bearable. Mm-hmm. And so I did that for a few years. And then I said, uh, I, I can't, I just can't run anymore. I remember my, my PA said, you know, this isn't good. I think you should stop. And I remember at that moment, that was a really, that was a heartbreaking moment for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I'd lost something really major in my life. Mm-hmm. I remember feeling incredibly, uh, I think, sad, uh, you know, borderline sort of depressed as, as people get when you have to really give something up that you're passionate about. Right. And so I was looking for something. So I, I threw my entire being then into cycling. Okay. And um, I was just riding all the time. So I, I'm a school teacher. So I started riding to work. My mm-hmm. wife suggested, you know, hey, why don't you just do this? And I said, okay, but my work was like 15 miles away. Hmm. It's so a long ride. <laughs> it was a long ride, right? So I started, um, I started riding and uh, I got really into that. And then after a couple of years of dabbling in it, I decided to just ride year round. And so I got a couple different bikes. And here in Vermont, you know, it definitely gets icy and <laughs> snowy and cold and dark. 
And for about two and a half, three years, I was riding every single day. Wow. And it was pretty. It was a pretty crazy experience. You know, I'd ride in. Um, I think the coldest ride I did was probably just about thirty below. Wow. Um, I I remember one ride I did. I mean, I didn't miss many days. I was mm-hmm. riding, you know, hundreds of miles a week. And I remember one ride I did. It took me on the way home to do those fifteen miles. It took me three hours. Wow. Because the the snow was crazy, and I had to like you know, carry my bike on my back and stuff. And, uh, and so I thought, all right, this is kind of cool. This is adventurous. Mm-hmm. But then my wife and I had sort of a meeting, a meeting of the minds. And she was <laughs> like, you know what? I know that we talked about this, but, uh, we also have small kids right. and I, I need you to be around. <laughs> and, and, uh, there was a moment where I was just like, cause I, you know, I'd gotten in a couple accidents Okay. And um, I'd been hit by a car, and I'd hit the car, and people were yelling, and it was getting kind of crazy. And um, I stopped. I was just like mm-hmm. cold turkey. And I think I realized at that moment that it was also with my kids. You know, we were doing other things on the weekend, but my knees had gotten so bad that I could only really cycle. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't skiing with them. I wasn't doing stuff with them. Mm-hmm. I wasn't hiking anymore. I was just cycling. And uh, I realized I was also spending all this time alone. Mm. So I was spending probably, you know, four hours a day riding. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then you're working and then all that other stuff. And so I just gave it up. And at that moment, I was again lost. And uh, Jenny, my wife, said, hey, you should should come try this thing. Um, I'm doing this thing. I'm doing CrossFit. And uh, you should check it out. And I was like, no, I don't think so. Um, I don't really like classes. (laughs) I don't like to be told what to do. But that was but that was the beginning of mm-hmm. that of this adventure. So that was like in I think it's twenty thirteen or, or something like that. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's very interesting to hear how you sort of were always focused on one thing where it was maybe it was the running and then it was yeah. the martial arts and then the, the cycling, but hadn't really had much variety, I guess, except maybe for the triathlons. Yeah, absolutely. It was it's like I get a little bit obsessive with my activity. But definitely more singular. Mm -hmm. And I think I realized right away going into CrossFit, whereas like I think a lot of people do, Mm -hmm. I realized I was not a complete athlete. Mm -hmm. Like people I think would look at me and I was at that point I had dropped down to I told you before I was like about 200 Mm -hmm. pounds when I was doing Aikido. While I was cycling, I had dropped down to about 160. Oh, wow. So I was really skinny. I would say frail. You know, I could do pull-ups, but not many. I certainly couldn't lift a lot of weight. Mm -hmm. I could do push-ups, but, you know, it wasn't... I thought I was in pretty good shape Mm -hmm. because I could do all this riding and stuff. But I had become, I think, what Coach Glassman would call like a fringe athlete, right? Mm -hmm. So I was was kind of like a rubber band stretched too thin. And I remember the the first days going into the gym, I could keep up on, you know, cardio stuff. Mm -hmm. But... uh, but really nothing else. And so that was kind of a, that was kind of the next good challenge. Mm-hmm. That was cool. And can you talk about what kind of pain or discomfort were you in when you were trying to do, where did you, or did you experience any just in your everyday activities or you talked about not really being able to go skiing or hiking with your kids? Yeah. So, um, I think what happened was, you know, the, the knees, you have a couple different kinds of cartilage in there, right? So mm-hmm. you have the meniscus, which is like the pad between the, the joints. And then you have that hyaline cartilage, mm-hmm. which covers the bone, and it's kind of that slit covering. And then you have, of course, your um, ligaments, which are holding everything together, like uh, the MCL and the ACL. Mm-hmm. And I think what was happening over time with my knees is the meniscus had kind of disappeared or been taken out. Mm-hmm. And that had caused, with all the activity, the hyaline cartilage over the bone mm-hmm. to wear away. Mm-hmm. And then my, um, I don't know if this is really just sort of genetic or from the activity, but my ACLs mm-hmm. were giving way, right? Mm-hmm. So I was really unstable and um, just always my bones were on mm-hmm. each other. And so what had happened was I could do the cycling, but um, but I couldn't do things like ski because of the quick change of motion, mm-hmm. you know, and I couldn't, and, and I could do things that were sort of static, mm-hmm. but nothing that would require like quick change. And I also think that I, my musculature was um, into such a sort of limited pattern. Mm-hmm. You know, I think in CrossFit, we talk a lot about range of motion and full range of motion and, you know, um, multiple joint movements and mm-hmm. things like that. 
And the, those activities had not helped me with that. Mm -hmm. And so that had brought me to a place of very limited activity. So there was pain just just really kind of moving around. Mm -hmm. um, when I ran, I, that, that was sort of a, a no-go. So I couldn't run around with my kids as much. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so it was it was it was a bummer, and I was continuing to try to do it. You know, I was continuing to try to fight that. So like, uh, I would, I would still go for runs. There's there is a big forest behind the school where I teach, mm -hmm. and these trails. So I would go out there and I would run in the hills, and it would hurt like crazy. Mm -hmm. And then I, would, you know, I try to like climb trees and do pull ups, and I was mm -hmm. kind of into the. Uh, do you know Erwin Lacour, who does like the move nat stuff? Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah. 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 So that was kind of, I was starting to read about that and I was like, oh, I'll try this. This looks cool. I'll pick up rocks. I'll do anything. <laughs> and I think that's where Jenny thought, you know, why don't you just come to the gym mm -hmm. and see what you think? And so that's, that's where I started that. But the discomfort was really starting to keep me from doing this other stuff. Right. So then the question was like, well, how is CrossFit going to be different? And it really was. So I could talk more about that too, if you'd like, but yeah, I would it love really that. Did, it, yeah. Um, I, but it's interesting to hear you say, um, that about cycling or about being sort of limited in your movements. Cause I had, mm -hmm. um, Chris Hinshaw on one of my early episodes who was an Ironman yeah. athlete and he experienced yeah. a lot of the same things after his Ironman career was over, just having trouble warming up or getting yeah. out of bed or being able to do simple things because he was so used to following the same movement patterns over and over and over again. And then once yeah. he started CrossFit, he was able to kind of balance out some of that musculature. Yeah, I love listening to him. I've listened to, I, I think I probably listened to him on your podcast. I think I listened to him on, I think he was on Barbell Shrugged. Mm -hmm. I've listened to several uh, interviews with Chris. He's he's a super interesting guy. Yeah. He knows a lot of stuff. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Yeah, His seminar yeah, is awesome. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so can you talk about then your experience starting CrossFit and what sort of things you started to notice as you got into it? Yeah, for sure. So um, when I first started, I was like nervous about certain things. So I was nervous about like box jumps, right? Mm -hmm. So like, ah, I don't know how that's going to go. Um, change, change of direction. So the box where I go will often do like agility work, right? Mm -hmm. So we'll do agility sort of, mm, sometimes we'll set up almost like an obstacle course work inside the box, inside mm -hmm. the gym. And so we'll do that. And I was nervous about that. Um just basic stuff. I was like, I'm not sure how that's going to go. But what happened is when I when I got in there and we started doing things, mm -hmm. especially I would say like full range of motion with uh, I don't. It doesn't matter really what I what I name, but I'll just name basic foundational movements like whether it's like squatting, mm -hmm. you know, and really getting a full squat. Like I thought my legs were strong mm -hmm. from cycling, and they were, but only to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. And certainly just going parallel with a squat was pretty difficult for me. Mm -hmm. But then when we started moving to places like below parallel, mm -hmm. I was like, whoa, that is way different. And I'm <laughs> certainly not strong in that place, right? Mm -hmm. And at first it was a little bit creaky on my knees. But the thing about arthritis, which is what I had, had also developed, I mean, the my joints were so close together. I mean, when I was going to get, so the, my uflexa shots, you know, which is sort of a, like a lubricant, mm -hmm. my cortisone shots to abate the swelling. I mean, they're having trouble getting the needles in anymore just because the joint, was the, there was no space in the joint. Mm -hmm. And so I think what CrossFit did was it started, well, I, I was willing to commit, but it started forcing me to go to those places. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that's key when you have arthritis like that is to keep moving. Mm -hmm. So I actually started feeling better. So, and I also started developing musculature that I hadn't had before. Mm -hmm. And that musculature was around that full range of motion. And so my hamstrings and my glutes and my quads and all those things were developing. Now I had, you know, huge calf muscles from cycling, but those weren't really doing me much good. And so all this other stuff was starting to happen and starting to get balanced out. And so that also that range of motion, it was like a um, a palliative for, for what was happening to my body. And mm -hmm. I think what it did was it started to stave off what was the inevitable, which was the knee replacements. Mm -hmm. Um, that, that was going to happen, but, um, I started feeling much better and doing things like box jumps. So then eventually after I'd been there for a while, you know, you go to the 16 inch and then you do the 20 and then 24. And then mm -hmm. I was doing the 30 inch box jumps and workouts. And, you know, I wasn't like super fast on the runs. I would mm -hmm. definitely, that had changed for me, but I was able to do it. And, uh, sometimes would sub in rowing when things got bad, that comes later, but, um, but I got stronger. And I think the, 
the knees got more stable. Like my mm -hmm. ACLs had definitely given, but what was happening was I was developing musculature that was stabilizing the joints. And so that was really helpful. Mm -hmm. um, the other things that were happening was my overall sort of performance as an athlete was, in, was improving because I was getting stronger in places I hadn't been strong. My arms, my shoulders, mm -hmm. my lats, you know, my back, um, and those things. So I came in like pretty weak as an athlete, like an all-around athlete. Mm -hmm. And I would rely on things, you know, because I think everybody has a little bit of an ego. I certainly do. And I went in, I was like, oh, God, you know, I'm so small, and these people are so big. And, <laughs> um, but I would win, you know, I could win on the row. Right. And, you know, other things like that. And I was like, okay. And then I started, my pull-ups started getting better, my push-ups and stuff like that. But then um, as your whole body gets stronger, I think everything gets dialed in and more balanced. But certainly the musculature around the joint, mm -hmm. building that was super helpful. And the full range of motion was incredible. So I, that was yeah. awesome. I love that you said that because I think that's something that I see so often in, in med school and in the clinics that I've been in where patients start to get mm -hmm. pain or they start to get arthritis and they think that they can't exercise at all because it's too painful. And I think you made a couple of really good points that number one, a lot of times those pains will get better once you start to balance your musculature around the joint and do the full range of yep. motion. And then two, yep. even, you know, if you still have pain and it's something that you can't, maybe you can't get to the full range of motion, you can still benefit from doing modified exercises or doing something that's still keeping your body healthy. Um, maybe if you have Absolutely. one area that's injured. Absolutely. I think it's, a, I think it's imperative. I think people, what happens is they, they stop because of the pain, mm -hmm. but the pain only increases with inactivity. Right. And, and that's the thing. You, you, you sort of have to, like, there's this fine line you have to push through, I think, mm -hmm. or at least I certainly do, because otherwise I go a little bit stir crazy <laughs> as well. But, and I'd gotten to that point where I wasn't willing, there was that, like I said, there was that, that short period where I just wasn't inactive and that was unpleasant for me because mm -hmm. um, the rest of my life I had been active. Um, and so I wasn't willing to go back to that. But I think there's this fine line, too, of like, okay, so I'm already injured, mm -hmm. you know, and you certainly don't want to push. I'm listening and reading and studying a lot of people. Um, Christopher Summer is a really interesting guy right now who's, who's doing a lot of interviews and doing a lot um, online and writing a lot. Mm -hmm. And he's talking about the gymnastics stuff and really strengthening the tendons and mm -hmm. not working through injury. And so I'm, I'm paying attention to that as like an athlete and a coach, too. So you don't want to push through injury that's not going to be, I think, or that's going to become chronic. But for right. me, I was already damaged goods. And so I was actually looking at it as like a healing or um, or a way station before mm -hmm. I actually had needed to have this surgery. And that was really helpful. I, you know, there's not, there's not going to be a cure for arthritis, but you can work through it. And you need to if you don't want it to get worse. And I think that was really true for me. Wow. So... Then eventually you got to the point where you said the knee replacements were inevitable, but how did you know mm -hmm. it was time for those? And then what was that process like for you? Yes, yeah, so that was a really bad, that was a dark time, I think. <laughs> that was, um, that was bad. So, um, and like, I'm not, I'm not a stranger to surgery. It's actually like, it's so funny because for me, in my family and within my friends, in my circles, like, I think people sometimes are surprised at how many times I've been in the hospital and had surgeries, you know, like mm -hmm. since I was a kid. Um, I was in a terrible car accident when I was 17. I was in the hospital for like three months. Wow. I mean, I was in there I was in there for a month, but then I was in and out and I was homebound for, for most of my senior year. Wow. And then, you know, I've had a hernia repair. I've had a chylectomy on my toe. I've had these other knee surgeries before. So it's like, I'm not, I'm not a stranger to it. And so mm -hmm. I wasn't like afraid of it, but there was this moment. Um, and I remember it was in, uh, December and so I just had, I've had my left knee. It's going to be just about a year now mm -hmm. and it's 2016. So that would have been 2015 in November. Okay. So it must have been de December of like 2014. Mm-hmm. And I went in to see my PA, who, with whom I'd worked for for over a decade, mm -hmm. like, you know, working with my pain. And she had always been telling me, she was, she's an amazing woman. She's, she's incredible. She's in her 60s. She's a world-class triathlete. I mean, wow. she's unbelievable. <laughs> and uh, she is, like, like, crazy fit. You know, she is a strong, strong woman. And so she knew what it was like to go through this kind of thing and, mm -hmm. and try to continue being, you know, athletic. Mm -hmm. And she's like, you know, David, you'll know, you'll know. 
and 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 we'll we'll sort of decide together. And I remember that December going in to see her, and um, and she even said she's like, you know, it's time. Mm-hmm. I I I can't get the needle in anymore. You're in, you know, you fought the good fight, but you're just in like pain all the time. I was yeah. like I I couldn't. The only thing I could do at that point was CrossFit. Like, mm-hmm. so what I would do is I would um, I would teach all day, but I was kind of like hobble around, right? <laughs> And, um, and I'd go to the gym and, uh, I'd work out and I, and I felt really good working out. So I'd work out as often as I could. Like in the summer, Mm -hmm. I, because I'm a teacher, um, I have, I have another gig that I do. I teach at a a local college and I teach in their master's program. Mm -hmm. So I would do that. But then as often as I could, I'd be at the gym. So I'd like work out two or three times a day, you know? (laughs) And the reason is when I did that, I felt good. Mm -hmm. But then after that, um, I couldn't get up from the dinner table and it wasn't because of the working out. It was just like, that's where I was. Mm-hmm. And when I worked out, th- things would warm up, things would loosen up and I was trying to, you know, stay strong or whatever. Mm-hmm. But there was this, there was this moment where she was just like, it's time. And it was, I couldn't, I couldn't move without limping or without pain. Mm-hmm. And what I had said to my students too, and the people I worked with was like, you know, if I hadn't had this done, really what you would see is you would see me walking around with a cane hmm. and that's just unacceptable. I mean, I just, there's, there's this other option. And so when she told me that I was like, okay. And I, um, and I started uh, looking, she gave me the name of the names of several surgeons and, uh, I started looking around and sort of started interviewing and sort of, mm-hmm. you know, checking out what the deal was. And I found this guy that did, um, total knees on, uh, he worked for, um, USA snowboarding, USA hmm. skiing, Mm-hmm. He was all over the world doing different, you know, work with athletes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I think that's the guy. And I had had um, friends who had had good luck with him. Mm-hmm. And so um, I set up an appointment with him. But uh, like I was just reviewing some of the literature this morning. Like, there there are so many people now getting knee replacements, right? And mm-hmm. because the age has dropped. It used to be they wouldn't do it until you were past the age of 50 because mm-hmm. they were not sure how the – how the joint would last. And that's something else I, I'd love to talk about actually in a little bit and how CrossFit is helpful for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish they would do more. I wish they were, I, w- I wish that I were a guinea pig. I wish people would like study me because mm-hmm. I think there's some, I think there's something to be learned, not because I'm like, you know, some unusual anomaly, but because I am this regular person who's really committed to mm-hmm. um, making this work. And with that, I do a lot of things that maybe people haven't done or haven't, mm-hmm. or have been told not to do. But I think would be helpful. But anyway, um, so I found this guy, but he's really popular because he's really good. So it took a long time to even be seen. And I remember during that time, I went and um, it was awful. It was, so, it was so stupid. I was doing all this work, and so people were like, "God, you're, you know, you're you're so crazy about CrossFit, and you're doing all this stuff, and you're so fit, and you're so strong." Well, then I took my eighth graders on a trip to Washington D.C. You know, chaperoning, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember going into the Museum of Native American History, and uh, I was up near the restrooms because I was calling the surgeon's office begging and I wasn't walking you know I wasn't really walking like I was mm-hmm. I was still able to do things once once I broke through the pain in a workout and once I got warmed up but I wasn't able to live my life I wasn't able to like mm-hmm. use my fitness in any way shape or form so I was still mm-hmm. doing things I was still doing the workouts um and it was uncomfortable uh to do that at times but uh, I couldn't live a lot. I couldn't, I wasn't living my life, you know? So it was time. <laughs> and it, it was time. And I think the question always is, well, if you weren't doing all these things, would your knees have lasted longer? And my response is absolutely not. I think that I would have been incapacitated much earlier because I would have been doing what you had, you know, what you suggested earlier that sometimes people do is they fall into this trap where they have arthritis and they start to uh, become inactive. They become inert. They become sedentary. When you become sedentary, you become, uh, your uh, your bone density depletes. You know your bones mm-hmm. become porous, so you become much more brittle and much weaker. And I think that's a huge problem. And so for me, this this um, this staved off what was inevitable from this traumatic injury early on, and uh, actually gave me inspiration. Um, so then I I got you know I I got booked. I went and I saw this guy, and he's like, "Yep, uh, that." is no good. <laughs> that knee is done, right? And that was my that was my left knee. So this was 
this was so strange. Yeah. And I said, you know, so my right knee is also troubling. He's like, yeah, what we're going to do is we're going to do X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And we're going to scope that right knee and we'll check it out. It's like, awesome. So we booked the surgery. And uh, the way they do it now, the way he does it is he works with a company called Conformis. And they actually, they do all the CT scans and the CAT scans and whatever scans they're doing in the, the femur x-rays and this x-ray. And they get all the measurements dialed in. Mm-hmm. And um, they send it out to a company. I think they did it in California. I don't know, but they 3D print the thing, right? Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in titanium. So it's this like awesome knee that is conformed to your body. Mm-hmm. It's like your knee, but in, in metal. <laughs> and so awesome. So that takes a certain amount of time. So then I had that done in uh, November, and uh, they scoped my knee on the right side Mm -hmm. and I remember waking up from the surgery and he's like you know it went awesome it was great Uh, everything is really good but they encountered this problem and this is again kudos to CrossFit and just committing to that that I was in the I think like I'm not going to tell you that this is you know actually what he said but I'm pretty sure (laughs) that I was in the the operating room like an hour longer than I should have been and the reason is they couldn't cut through my bone, hmm. so it was too dense. So that was unusual. They mm-hmm. didn't. It was like they hadn't encountered that before. Mm-hmm. So what did that come from? It came from all that preparation. Mm-hmm. So from all the deadlifting, all the squatting, all you know the weight resistant mm-hmm. uh, movements, right? And so what does that mean? It means that when they drilled, when they cut it and then drilled and then put that joint in. As I continue, first of all, their fixatives are better now, right? So the mm-hmm. glues. But what it means is now that bone is solid. Mm-hmm. And so that joint, as long as I'm active, right, that joint is not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. So typically what happens in, in knee replacement failures is it's not necessarily the joint that fails. Like you'll read all this speculation, I think, online on the Internet and stuff that, okay, there is wear and tear on the artificial meniscus, sure, mm-hmm. and on the surface of the joint, you know, the articulation and things like that, fine. But what really it is primarily happening in knee failures is the joint itself pops out of the bone, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So the fixative comes loose or the joint comes loose from the bone. Mm-hmm. Well, what does that come from? My supposition is it comes from porous bone. And so there's this really interesting study done. Um, it was a seven-year study in the early 2000s of uh, patients who did what their surgeon said mm-hmm. and patients who did not do what their surgeon said. Okay. And the patients who did not do what their surgeon said at knee surgeries, right? Meaning... They went back to sport, and they went back to lifting weights, and they went back to sort of uh, resistance activity. They actually they actually fared better hmm. because what happens is their knees um, grew mm-hmm. around the joint, mm-hmm. and the joint set into their bones, and so they were stronger as a result of it. So anyway, that's my belief, and that's why I'm like so into okay, yeah, I'm gonna keep doing this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my preparation before had paid off because. I, I was deadlifting a ton before I went in because I couldn't bend as much at that point. So I was just deadlifting like crazy and doing other stuff. So I think I was prepped. And then afterwards, right back at it. Mm-hmm. But the the other the bad news that came out was when they scoped my other knee, they were like, that one's a no-go. Mm. You know, your ACL's done and there's no meniscus left and the hyaline cartilage is also not so good. Mm. And so then we booked the other one. Um, this, this, this surgeon, and I think nowadays with younger patients, they like, they don't do the bilateral Mm -hmm. knee replacements. Um, I think the healing is, isn't quite as, quite as sound. So they like to go six months apart or more. Okay. So, so then I booked the other one and I just had the other one done about 15 weeks ago. Wow. So that's pretty new. Yeah. Still pretty new, but like I'm talking to you right now from just doing like a crazy awesome workout. Like I've been (laughs) hitting the gym. I'm back to coaching. I'm doing all that stuff. And what was so awesome tonight was um, I was racing my son. So my son is 16, Mm -hmm. and he is getting huge, (laughs) right? And so he's stronger, faster, bigger than I am, right? He he loves it, of course. And my excuse as well, hello, uh, two fake knees, one pretty (laughs) new. And uh, so tonight we're racing. And it was awesome. It's a baseline workout. So it's a 500 meter row mm-hmm. into 40 squats, right? yep. which I'm now able to do again, just body weight, 
30 awesome. sit-ups, 20 push-ups, 10 pull-ups, as fast as you can. I love that. That and was one of my first CrossFit workouts. That's the best, right? It's, it's a the good best. one, yeah. So I knew I wasn't going to PR. I knew that. But there's my son. Mm-hmm. And he's like eyeballing me. <laughs> and we're in the same heat. So he's there. And then my buddies are there. So the four of us are in this chaos, you know, just madness. He's next to me. He's pulling like a 127 on the rower. I'm like, he is not going to be able to hold that. That is no way. He's good. But he's not that good. So I'm like holding my own, you know. And uh, he gets off the rower, but he's smoked. So then I get off the rower, and we're starting doing our squats. And the coach is like, Simon, stand up, stand up. You know, he's not opening his hips. And all this stuff is going on. We come off the pull-up bar. Exact same time. It was, the, it was, the, it was like, it was the greatest moment. It was that's so fun. So cool. Wow. Yeah. That's another, yeah, that's another piece of the power of CrossFit. You know, it's like my whole family does it right. and we can go there and have such good fun. But anyway, that's so I'm back. Yeah. I love it. And I love what you said about the surgery too. So I did this year during my surgery rotation, I did two weeks on orthopedic surgery and majority of what I saw was, oh, you did? was, yeah, was total knee replacements. And, but oh, in, awesome. in that situation, it was mostly patients who were overweight, who hadn't been working out, who yep. primarily whose Absolutely. injuries and arthritis had come from inactivity and being overweight. Yeah. And it's very difficult. Number one to one, the surgery is much more difficult because the bones aren't healthy. There's so much inflammation around the knee. Yep. Um, and then also the recovery is so much more difficult, I think for those people. So again, it's terrible. Yeah. To your point of, of all that preparation that you do before surgery and how valuable, valuable that can be for the procedure, but then also for the recovery. I think, I think that's it. Like if you, it's hard because for me, my awakening came kind of earlier. So I was starting to think about my nutrition and so forth way before this. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it had come to this, but if people really, if they want to make that change, you do have to prepare. Mm-hmm. So like for me, for my second knee surgery, I knew it was coming, right? So I did a, um, I did a ketogenic diet mm. and not only ketogenic, but also, um, uh, intermittent fasting. Okay. So before my second knee surgery, so I had gained weight again mm-hmm. and this was more, this wasn't like my other weight. This was like CrossFit weight. So okay. it was more muscular weight, right? So I had gone back up to one, about 185. Mm-hmm. And, um, I would like to say it was mostly muscle, you know, uh, maybe, maybe not all, but mostly. So then, but before my second knee surgery, I dropped it to 170. So I did this intermittent fasting and I did this ketogenic diet. And the whole reason was I knew I was going to lose some muscle mass mm-hmm. and maybe some lean muscle. But the idea was I knew I wouldn't lose all of it. Mm-hmm. And I knew I'd also be 15 pounds lighter coming out of the other end of the surgery. So mm-hmm. I built up all that stuff and I did that in like two weeks, mm-hmm. two weeks before the surgery. And so I had built up and gotten trying to get strong again, but then dropped the weight so that once I came out of the operating room, I was that much lighter and I could recover. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I went home. Um, I don't know what your experience is, but I went, I went in on a Monday, and uh, my surgery was Monday morning or Monday afternoon. I went home on Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. And I used crutches maybe for a day, mm-hmm. and then I used cane for maybe another day, but that was it. And I was just walking. Wow. And I was, yeah, and I was doing like much to the chagrin of my wife, you know, I'd be doing like handstands and crawls and anything I could do, mm-hmm. um, you know, and try and again, being careful not to create more inflammation. And of course there's a lot of pain, right. um, you're, you're on a lot of meds, but, uh, but not, not, not endangering it, but, um, but doing stuff that I could do right mm-hmm. away, you know? Um, so I think you do have to get in that, that mentality, and I think people, what happens is they get to that place where I've seen several people in my school who, who have had um, also knee replacements and mm-hmm. not been fit, but I don't, I, those aren't, those are going to be the knee replacements that aren't as successful, mm-hmm. because I think they're still carrying that problem, they're still carrying too much weight, and, um, but it's not the right kind of weight, it's not like resistance weight, it's not like you're training the bone to be better, um, and, it's, and, you're, and you're compromising the joint because you're putting it into awkward situations, awkward positions, mm-hmm. um, I think, uh, precarious situations. But that's a whole other thing. I mean, that's like why CrossFit, I think, is so important is to bring the general population into a better understanding of fitness mm-hmm. and nutrition mm-hmm. and get a, get a little bit more healthy. Um, 
and then maybe you go in for the knee replacement. Right. You know, the knee replacement. It, the knee replacement is not going to fix fix all your problems. I mean, it will alleviate the pain, but I don't know. I don't want to speak against it because you, you, people do what they can do in life. You know. Right. But I think that you're like what you witnessed. You can be more successful if you make some more significant change. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, really, when you think about it, getting part of your body cut out and replaced with something—that's a pretty dramatic change. It's a big so, deal. Very traumatic. Yeah. So if you're going to make change in your life, probably that is the time to do it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I also saw that you have done some competitions, maybe a local, like a master's competition, and you've also been doing the open for a couple of years. Yeah. Can you yep. talk about so, that experience? Yeah. So I haven't really, I've been doing the open the last couple of years, but I haven't been registered. So I do all the workouts with everybody, but I just felt like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. So I didn't really sign up. Mm-hmm. But uh, this master's competition, it was the last one I... I was really able to do it was this fun thing in Milford and they have some amazing people down there I mean it was really intimidating it was weird like we went down there and um I went with a buddy of mine he's like hey Dave you know do you want to do this and I said sure why not you know I didn't know any better mm-hmm. and uh so it was uh, two men two women and uh we went down there and again I was like wow I am really, really small and these <laughs> people are really big but it was fun you know we went down and um we were in the master's division so that was a little bit more palatable again. We weren't cleaning most weight, that's for sure, but we held our own on, like, the assault bikes were coming out at that point, mm-hmm. so we could do that. There was some stuff with rowing, the body weight stuff. That's where we started to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that competition, that was pretty cool. So we went down there, and I got to see people who were, like, games-type athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they were games athletes more, like, on team. Mm-hmm. They weren't, like, your your caliber. It wasn't, like, individual competitors that were there, but people who were compete, had competed in the games on teams who were pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. And so they were in teams on there. So that was one category. There was like elite and then there was like sport mm-hmm. and then there was like gen pop and then there was masters. And so it was just cool because we got to be down there with all these amazing people. And yeah. I've kind of felt like we were kind of in the mix. It was mm-hmm. really fun. And so we got third place in that. Uh, we kind of caught up at the end because the end was, um, it was like chipper style uh, kind of body weight stuff that was really fun. I mean, not all body weight, some barbell, but it was more like, can you hang on uh, for a long time? Mm-hmm. And uh, and we did. And so that was pretty cool. We came, we clawed our way back from not being able to lift this, uh, the amounts of weight that they were to, uh, to coming back. So that was fun. Um, and the open is always a good experience because for me, uh, my goal this year is to be able to do it again. Mm-hmm. So my goal this year is to be able to, uh, to get through it. Mm-hmm. Um, usually I have been able to do it rx um although it's been getting harder i think oh yeah um, and so hopefully hopefully if i i mean i don't know we'll see the weights have been getting pretty heavy so if i can get back to where i was i think i'd be able to do it but um but we'll see that's my goal mm-hmm. um and it's always been a challenge because like when i first got into crossfit i remember i signed up for the open i couldn't do double unders mm-hmm. and then right out of the gate it was that workout where it's like double unders and cleans or something like that and i was like yeah God, <laughs> good lord how am i gonna do that I got through it, you know, mm-hmm. my score was terrible, but it was awesome. It was like, I was so tired and, but it was like, you meet your maker and then you say, okay, so instead of excuses, I have goals now, mm-hmm. right? I'm like, okay, now I'm going to learn, I better learn those. Right. I better learn how to do that. And, uh, and it's a great test for, for the next time. And the other thing I like about it is I love being around all the people doing it. So at my gym, like at so many gyms, you know, everybody's just there like screaming and yelling and having fun <laughs> and cheering each other on. And mm-hmm. it's awesome. It's really fun. And so now, um, last year I got my son to do it. So last year what I did is, um, because I was where I was, uh, and in coaching, I helped run it at Mm -hmm. our gym. So, um, I was just like a facilitator, right? So, uh, Bo is my, um, head coach, trainer, owner and everything like that. And he Mm -hmm. sets it all up and dials it all in. But then of course, during it, you know, he's pretty crazy busy. Mm-hmm. So I would be like MC or running it and, mm-hmm. you know, starting of starting heats and stuff like that. And that was super fun. And then, um, watching my son compete yeah. and, uh, and my wife, that was really fun. Cause I could just be a cheerleader. Right. So that was awesome. Yeah. So I would come in and I would do the workouts last year. I would come in and I would do the workouts early. Mm-hmm. So I would come in and, um, you know, we'd get the gym all set up and I would do like a test run. Mm-hmm. And so I would do it kind of just to see how it's going to work mm-hmm. and do it for fun. And then, um, and then we get ready and the athletes would come in and do it and, and have their heats go. So that was pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah it was great. Really, that, was, that was awesome. 
a great goal to come back to then for this year. I think it's so important to have those goals, even if you're, even if they're not, you know, where you might want to be or where you were prior to your surgeries, setting reasonable goals, I think is so important. I think it's really important. Like when I, when I see people come in now, um, I was just coaching this girl yesterday. So I, I did the beginner uh, series like mm -hmm. at, at our gym. And so I was coaching this girl yesterday and uh, she was like, I'm so weak. I'm so weak. And I'm a vegan. And I was like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> it's fine. But she weighs like a hundred pounds, right? Uh -huh. She's really, really small. And uh, I was like, it's no problem. But if you do want to get stronger, I think you do need to eat a little bit more. <laughs> and I'm going to just show you some things that you can practice at home too. Yeah. Um, but it's cool. And I think she doesn't have excuses. Like she's like, I want to get stronger and yeah. I'm going to come. Yeah. I think, I think what might be hard for her, you know, I, I love what HQ is doing. And I, I just think that it's so awesome that people can come in and throw down. The open is getting a little bit tougher though. Mm -hmm. And I think that the scaled categories are cool. I like that a lot. Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. You know, there are different sort of levels now and that's, and that's kind of cool. I think they're evolving, mm -hmm. but, um, but it is a little different than it was a few years back. Oh, I think. sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Very exciting. Um, how else or what activities do you hope you're going to get back to or what do you plan on doing once you're all healed from, from the second surgery? Is there anything else like outside of so CrossFit? So you mean or, what activities do I hope to do? Yeah. Like going to, getting back to skiing or climbing. Outside of CrossFit? Like yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. So like uh, a couple weekends ago, my wife and I climbed up um, – this mountain nearby here, Camel's Hump. Wow. And uh, that's one of the higher peaks in this area. So we're in Burlington, Vermont, right? And it's one of the peaks that you can see. There's like Camel's Hump and then there's Mount Mansfield and mm -hmm. that's where Stowe is. Okay. Okay, if you know Stowe. And um, so we climbed it. She's like, hey, do you want to go up uh, Camel's Hump on Sunday? And I said, yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> and it was freezing cold. It was like crazy. So windy up there. So Julie, we go up. <laughs> oh my God, we get up there. It's like you think it's going to be a beautiful day. You know, right. the colors are out. The leaves are changing. We're like, yeah, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> you know, I'm wearing like a T-shirt and a vest. <laughs> I get up there. It is like, it felt like the wind was blowing like 60 miles an hour. It's totally gray. It's <laughs> freezing. We're like, okay, we're good. And we went right back down. And, uh, but it, that's a big hike. I mean, oh, it's yeah. significant. And we did it. And that was the first time I've been able to do it in years. Wow. So that was awesome. That's amazing. And then the other plans we have. Yeah, the other plans we have are to. Um, I did fall once, but that was not. You know, it wasn't significant. I always fall, so my wife was like, "Yes, okay, that's going to happen probably a couple more times," and it did. But that was fine. Um, so then, now we're thinking more about backcountry skiing again. Wow. So when we were younger, we did, um, like I said, a lot of t some tele skiing. I like mm -hmm. I like to tele ski, and we would put skins on, and we would, you know, uh, mm -hmm. skin up and hike up the mountain, and then ski. So we're planning on doing more of that. Um, a buddy of mine uh, was one of the original like pro snowboarders. Mm -hmm. So I'm 47. Um, so he's my around my age. So he was one of the OGs, right? Well, he still has contacts in the industry. So um, when I was getting ready for my surgery, it was so awesome. He uh, he shows up one day at the gym and he's like, uh, "Dude, I got some for you." <laughs> and I said, "Okay." And he brings out a brand new snowboard. Wow. He's like, no excuses now. Yeah, he's like, no excuses now, buddy. And so, <laughs> yeah, he's, he totally set me up. So I want to I do that again because I haven't done that in a mm -hmm. long time. Um, yeah, just stuff like that. I That's mean, just so being awesome. able to go out and yeah. actually utilize the fitness that I'm, that I'm gaining from CrossFit would, mm -hmm. be, would be fantastic. It's like a, it's a gift. It's a blessing. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's true. We can spend all the hours in the gym we want. But the real, I think the real joy is in using it outside the gym. So that's very exciting for you. I think so. Like, you know, I was listening to a couple of your podcasts and I think it was like, was it Steph the Hammer was talking about that the other Probably. day? It was like, uh, she mentioned that, you know, mm -hmm. getting out and, and doing stuff. And I think there is something like I mentioned to you before about that outward bound experience that really changed me. And, um, it's not that I've been like this perfect person. I mean, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life, but the, uh, the experiences that resonate with me often have to do with being in the outdoors, being with nature. Mm -hmm. You know, we're really close to the Adirondacks. When when uh, my kids were little, we'd go camping a lot. We'd do all these hikes over there mm -hmm. and uh, just have these amazing sort of moments together. And uh, my wife wants to do 
she's really big into that. She loves hiking, and so she wants to hit all the peaks over there. You can get in sort of this club, right? By mm-hmm. you get a pin for each one you do, and it's oh, this cool. little thing. But yeah, it's like, all right, let's do it. I'll do it. No, I can. Yeah, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Well, I want to end with three questions I ask everyone on the podcast. So you might have mm-hmm. heard them before. But sure. the first one is three things that you do on a regular basis that have the biggest positive impact on your health. Yep. So this is a hard question because I think there are actually four. I was thinking about it earlier today. <laughs> so, I was, okay. so I was listening to this other podcast of yours. You can, so sneak, like, okay. you can sneak a fourth in if you need to. Yeah, the fourth will be like the platform, right? The yeah. background. <laughs> um, so I was thinking like I like to get up early. So I get up about five o'clock every morning. Mm-hmm. Um, like my day starts at, at school around 720. Mm-hmm. So I like to get up at five, which is for some people isn't super early, but for others it's pretty early. So I get up at five. So I have an hour just to myself. Mm-hmm. So I get up, you know, hit the coffee, feed the dog, and then I just read. And, uh, and that's really, I think important. Mm-hmm. It's like, it sort of grounds me, settles me. Um, and the reading can be whatever it can be like pleasure reading or research sometimes i'll read um training articles i'll read uh, training books or Mm -hmm. sometimes i'll be reading like literature um and that i share like when my kids do reading for school Mm -hmm. um i usually read or reread the books that they read because i'm an english teacher and so that's really fun for me so it's just that time where i i I have to myself and i can kind of choose so that's one thing um i think i think another thing uh would be working out obviously mm-hmm. right so I go to the gym every day except for Sunday and um, and the way I like to think about that now is you know people talk about rest days and things like that and I think that's all fine that's 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 a that's sort of a personal exploration but I mm-hmm. need to go every day mm-hmm. and I was listening to um, I think when a sort of an sort of one of the old school I think one of coach Glassman's original um, athletes and I can't remember which which of those it uh, was and he was saying the way that he programs now I think he's out in California mm-hmm. the way that he programs now and the way that he thinks now is he's kind of in his 50s is that he's there every day but he doesn't go 100% every day okay and so he kind of looks at the workouts and he programs this for his clients too because a lot of people now they go to CrossFit every day and sometimes people go like twice a day because they want to be like a games athlete, whether they're going to be or not. <laughs> right. right. It's like, oh, what's so-and-so doing? I'll do that. But I don't know. I think that's that's too much for me. And so um, what I do is I like to go every day and then I see what I can do. And some days I know I can go super hard. Like today I was mm-hmm. racing my son. So I was yeah. like, that was I just went super hard. And then for the next part of it, we did um, we did a strength piece. And then we did, uh, oh, we did half Cindy. So we did 10 minutes of, um, you know, pull-ups, push-ups, and squats. Mm-hmm. And then my buddy Max is sitting in there looking at me, and then he puts on a weight vest, and so I put on a weight vest. <laughs> and, like, we're, we're getting ready for Murph that we're, we're going to do pretty soon uh, at my box. And so I'm like, okay, let's do that. So today would be one of those days where it's more competitive. Mm-hmm. But other days it would be, like, pretty chill. You know, I'll still go, but I may be like, okay, it's practice day. Mm-hmm. You know, I just want to make sure I get this movement right. Maybe the weight's are a little lighter. So I go to the gym every day. And then the other thing I do, I was thinking about this a lot, was um, – Although I like this other answer somebody gave on your podcast about being nice to their yeah their spouse, I thought that was a really good answer, and so I've been thinking about that. But um, I cook, mm. so I cook a lot of the meals for our family. Mm-hmm. And I think all those years ago, my di- my daughter was diagnosed when she was seven as a type one diabetic. Okay, and that really changed my perspective on things, um, nutritionally and mm-hmm. just in life. Uh, and I, I spent a year one year as a stay-at-home dad, too, mm-hmm. um, or I just wanted to spend more time with my kids, and so mm-hmm. I took a year off from teaching. I took, like, a sabbatical, and during that year, I did all the shopping and all the cooking, and I think I kind of kept that up since then. That was when they were little, mm-hmm. and so we eat, I think we eat pretty good food, and I think that's really important, so I get up early. I um, make sure that I work out every day, and then I cook, but the other thing that I really do is I think it's super important to, um, to stay close with your family. Mm-hmm. Like, for me, that's just, like, yeah. that's, my, that's my rock. You know, if I didn't have my family, nothing else matters. Yeah. No, it really doesn't. It doesn't. That's so it. important. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yep. All right. One thing that you think would have a big impact on your health, but you have a hard time implementing it. Mm-hmm. I drink way too much coffee. <laughs> it's like I have known that for a long time, yeah. but I just love it. And, um, <laughs> 
Like how much coffee are we talking? Like right now, these days, I would I would say at least five cups a day. All right. Um, there was a point <laughs> that it was eight to ten. Okay. And that was way too much. <laughs> and so I got down to a place... I'm not really ashamed of it or apologetic. It just yeah. it feels like a lot when I talk to other people. And like <laughs> people people know that I drink a lot of coffee, you know, and they're like, Oh yeah, you should you should see Mendenhall, you know. He's like <laughs> like I told you like I chaperoned that Washington DC trip and you know, I'm always I'm always stopping off somewhere to get a coffee. It's <laughs> it's a little bit crazy, but uh yeah, I just love it. So there was a point about a, I don't know, six months ago or so. We did a challenge at the gym, and mm-hmm. I got it down to two cups a day. All right. And um, and that was okay. I just felt very, <laughs> I just felt very slow. Yeah. I just felt very slow. Not quite like operating at your five to eight cups. No, no. no. And so I think. <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. say I used to drink a lot, but I might have like one or two cups a day. And just this past month, I decided to go no coffee just to like kind of reset. <laughs> And the first few days were very rough. I felt like I was. How did that? Not, I was. I felt like I was yeah. not even present. <laughs> like my head was up in the clouds or something. Um, yeah. But after that, I actually feel like I can think so much more clearly, and I feel like I don't really need it. But I just love mm. it. I know I'll go back to drinking it because it's so delicious. But for me, sometimes it helps to once in a while cut it out. But yeah, no, I think I think that's very true. I think that's very <laughs> sane and sound advice (laughs) but we all have our our things and coffee is not the worst thing right um all right last question what does a healthy life look like to you yeah i was thinking about this one earlier too um i like in my life i've been really lucky you know, like we're talking about all these different things, and I've had these needs, but I'm really just a really lucky individual. So I have my health, you know, I'm able to work with these. I mean, first of all, I have good health care, and so I was able to get this done. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have this like amazing family that supports me. And I hope that I support them. I have a good community of people at the gym, enough to uh, to work with decent people in my school. And so I feel like a healthy life, you know, is 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 accepting those things and acknowledging that you know I have I'm lucky. Like I have kind of a blessed existence in many ways. Like I'm never going to make like a ton of money or anything, and I don't really think I need to. But I think what I need to do is um is maintain that mm-hmm. health i think that's a responsibility and then to give back i think like a health life incorporates more than just um it's more than just working out and eating right and doing all that that's i think that's important mm-hmm. you have to give back so you have to like do good in the world and i think that's really important i think it's important for your own health i find like if I'm trying to help other people, not just like fix them. I'm not talking about like, oh, there's something wrong with you and I need you to do this. Right. I'm talking about just like being there to, to help people in, mm-hmm. in whatever capacity. Oops. So um, that's important. And when you give, I think you get back so much more. Mm-hmm. And that that begets health. Mental health, you know, and, it, and it's like that. It's like you pass it on. So I think it's really important. Absolutely. I love it. Perfect. Perfect way to end. Thank you so much for sharing all of your story and for being so awesome and coming on the podcast. I'm super excited to share this with the audience. I think they're going to learn a lot from it. Well, thank you so much, Julie. It's been really, it's it's a real pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I really enjoyed getting to know David and I love his perspective on living with his orthopedic injuries and refusing to allow them to control his life. It was so neat to see how CrossFit allowed him to gain some more functionality and extend the time until he needed to undergo his total knee replacements. 
and also how it helped him to rehab after those surgeries and get back to doing the things he loved, like being outdoors, going hiking, and going skiing with his family. So I hope you guys learned as much from him as I did, and thanks again for listening. To make sure you never miss an episode and to receive exclusive content from me, head to my website, juliefouché.com, where you can subscribe to my email list. Also, don't forget to share your stories. If you or someone you know has used lifestyle to overcome a serious health challenge, please email me at info at juliefouché.com. I'll choose some of these inspiring stories to share here on the podcast in future episodes. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and consider giving the podcast a five-star rating on iTunes. Also, don't forget you can train with me by visiting beyondthewhiteboard.com slash juliefouché. I always love hearing your feedback, so please leave comments under this post on my website, juliefouché.com, and share your thoughts on social media with the hashtag JFHealth. Thank you again so much for listening, and I'll catch you next time on Pursuing Health. Pursuing Health.